Welcome to Value Investor TV podcast. This is a podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. This is episode 22, Valuation Ratio. Um, my name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Welcome, everybody. Okay, in the last episode, we talked about the overview of valuation, operational, financial, ratio. Um, it was an introduction of all those three ratios. In this episode, and then two episodes moving forward, we're going to talk about those ratios individually. And in this episode, like I mentioned the title, we're going to talk about the valuation ratio. Okay, so just to quick, quickly recap what valuation ratio is. Valuation ratio is always price to something. So effectively, what it's trying to do is it's trying to say, okay, how much am I paying for? How much am I paying to get uh, earnings or sales? We'll talk about different ratios, but it's effectively all about how cheap something is. This is what valuation ratio tells you. And there are many variations of it, many derivatives and, 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 and flavors of valuation ratios that you can use to value different businesses or different aspects of, the, of, a, of a single business. Um, and we have a, a few that we want to cover here in this episode. The first one is price to earnings. And uh, we have price to book, price to cash flow, price to sales, peg ratio, price to EBIT, and enterprise value divided by EBITDA. We'll talk about those subsequently. But first, let's focus on PE, price to earnings, because this is the most talked about in every investment journals or even newspapers. People talk about PE all the time. So Hari, define for us what price to earnings is first and maybe dive into why they're so prevalently used and maybe some of the some of the downside of using PE exclusively. Yeah, so <clears throat> price to earnings ratio is actually um, the current stock price so is the, is the numerator, and the denominator is the earnings per share for, and you can do it uh, what's called trailing 12-month PE, which is the last uh, annual uh, T, uh, PE, or a- annual earnings per share. Um, you can do a uh, uh, trailing 12 months, which is the last um, not uh, ca- ca- annual report uh, calendar year, but... So if you're in quarter two, you're using Q2, Q1, and Q4 and Q3 of uh, you know to get get that number. So you're just it's it's the last twelve months or the last four quarters added together, <clears throat> and you can do forward price to earnings ratio, which is we estimate this is what the earnings are going to be next year, and then we use that as a measure of uh, uh, of a price to earnings ratio. And so what you see a lot of is uh, companies will or you know. Uh, you and you know this ratio is uh, is unfortunately is overused a lot. I think in you know companies on you know CNBC and websites, financial websites will talk about price to earnings. You know, and they will use forward price to earnings. Um, you know, especially for fast growing companies, as as if it's a it's a good measure of you know a valuation because you're essentially saying, well, if next year it's going to grow to this, it's cheap enough to you know to do that. So. So let, let's kind of break that down a little bit more <clears throat> and say, why why is this an important ratio? Well, what it is essentially telling you is how long does it take you to re, you know, to earn back in earnings, you know, the current share, you know, you know, price that you pay for the stock, yeah. right? 
I I just want to mention because you you mentioned it really briefly what the definition of price to uh, price to earnings is. Maybe yeah. define that more in detail, more robustly here. So, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. So the current share price, right, yeah, which correct. is what you would get quoted from, um, you know, Yahoo Finance or uh, your broker or wherever. Um, and then it's divided by the earnings per share, right? So the earnings per share is the net income divided by the shares outstanding, yeah. right? So the other way to do this, yeah. right, is actually you can take the entire market cap yeah. of the company, which is the price, times the number of shares outstanding, and divide that by um, the net income for the company, yeah. right? And so what what you essentially did, if you know, for you math whizzes out there, is we just actually played with where does the shares outstanding exist? Yeah. Is it multiplied on by the price, or is it divided by the uh, the net income? So either way, you're going to get the same yeah. ratio. Um, and and this this is actually true. Will apply for almost everything that we talk about here, right? Is that all of these are per share valuations, yeah. right? So price. Per share of something, book share, you know, book of value per share, cash flow per share, sales yeah. per share, etc. But in, the, in these ratios, the the per share cancels out. Yes. From from denominator and numerator, so yes. effectively, it's for for us humans to be able to say, okay, per share is this. It makes it a lot easier for us to consume that information. But right. effectively, these ratios they don't really. It doesn't matter if you're using per ratio, a per share value, or just entirety of the market cap divided by the entire earnings. Yeah, it's probably a good idea to think of when we say price, it's actually price per share and earnings per share. And so when you look at it that way, the per share, as he was saying, drops off. And so if you, you know, you could also look at it as if I went to somebody who owns a, a business and I just said, you know, how much do you want for that business? I'm not offering on a per share basis. Well, the per share there is actually there's only one share and that the, the business owner is offering me a price, right? <laughs> right. And so uh, it's just a de- depends on the denominator right. of the per share p- component, right? Yeah. So um, so let's, let's kind of put this into context, yeah. right? Because I think this is very important. You know, the, the price to earnings, if I were buying a company with uh, price to earnings and I went to a private business owner, right? You know, private business transactions are occurring at a price to earnings ratio of, you know, six to nine it's it's a it, the number is and that that's not a hard and fast rule certainly but that's the expectation is that if i bought a company the earnings from that company would be able to pay for what the price i paid in the next six to eight to nine years uh, and that's that number the pe ratio is basically the time to uh for earnings to uh you know cover the price of uh, of that i've paid for it um and so what you want to look at is with businesses like this is there should be some grounding in reality, right? Um, you know, at the height of tech bubbles and stuff like that, you what you see is there are a lot of companies that are trading for like 75 times earnings and 150 times earnings. And the reason they get those rich valuations is that they are supposedly going to take over the world, right? And they're going to be <laughs> able to, you know be multi-billion dollar companies and, you know, make, and so you're paying, paying, excuse me, paying for future earnings, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because ultimately, as we've always said, the reason companies exist is to make a profit for their owners. The shareholders are the owners of the business. And so if the price is that you're paying is six to eight times for a company, then um, 
but if another business is trading at 12 times earnings or 15 times earnings or 20 times earnings, you know, all else being equal, you would want to pay for the business at a six times rate rather than a 20 times rate. And when you start getting, you know, beyond those numbers of six to, you know, 20, what you want, <laughs> what what happens is there may be a point where the business could never recover that amount of, you know, could never create that much value for its shareholders in terms of earnings. And so, you know, there is too expensive a price for every single business out there, right? I mean, you know, you can make the argument that Apple is a great business, but it's currently trading at $1 trillion, right? So knowing nothing else, you know, at 10, you know, $15 trillion is is too expensive for Apple. I mean, it doesn't matter how much earnings they make over all the, the rest of their life, right? Um, that's just too much money, right? And, and so, and, and also what happens is as you look at future earnings, those earnings are so far in the future that, you know, they're basically worth nothing to you today, right? And we'll talk about that when we start actually doing a valuation exercise on free cash flow. So really the earnings that you should be focused on are the next five to eight years because that's all that you can actually get out of a business, right? Anything beyond that, anything can happen. We could go to war, you know, something could, you know, change. The company could, you know, uh, uh, become bankrupt. So it's really the next five to 10 years that you can really focus on as a, as a corporation because that's all, that's all that's predictable. Now, you would hope that through your, your process, beyond 10 years is also something that this company will exist, right? So, so uh, coming back to this this ratio, right? The price to earnings really is what what it's telling you is relative to how much earnings they have. You know, what price am I willing to pay, right? And yep. the danger with that, because there's a lot of caveats to using this ratio, is a couple of years. You know, companies may have uh, depressed earnings for a variety of reasons. They may be investing heavily in growth and they are expecting in future years that growth to skyrocket and then that earnings per share will go higher. So what do you how do you estimate that, you know, in 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 context of what what is the current EPS, right? The other thing is earnings per share is not a um is a is a, an, a number that can be manipulated, right? And legally, so I mean, we're not talking about illegal manipulation. There's also that but the earnings per share, as we talked about, is not cash into the business, right? Um, it is a, you know, it, it is using accrual-based accounting. So they're shipping revenue, uh, you know, they're shipping items, but they haven't actually collected the cash on their their goods, and so that affects how much money that they're, you know, is actually seeing. And so, earnings are not what we care about as business owners. What we care about is free cash that comes in, and so using earnings per share can sometimes give you spurious, you know, variables. And so I would encourage you not to just, it's a good rule of thumb, but it is not a be all end all answer for, for that. Now, that being said, if you were to buy a portfolio, I mean, historically from, I think from the 1960s till 2016, when I last saw this number updated, if you were to buy a low PE, you know, uh, ratio uh, relative to the rest of the market, um, your returns would, you know, beat the market uh, over that period of time by some insane amount of money. So that's not to say that this is a bad way of looking at valuation, but there are, there are 
other things to look at when you look at this. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, uh, private business usually t- usually is selling for six to nine times PE, and that effectively means you're going to get your money back. You're paying for six to nine years worth of growth in the future if right. the earnings were to stay steady. Yeah. Right. And so another key point that I want to mention here is the earnings here, and every every metric we're going to talk about here in this uh, in this episode is price to something, and price to earnings in this case is is twelve year or twelve months earnings or a year's worth of earnings. Yeah. So uh, take that into account because that was what confused me in the beginning. Okay, six to nine times, you know, six to nine times you know, PE, and that's saying you know six to nine times you're paying for forward six to nine six to nine years. That means earnings has to be. That for one for one year or right. twelve or, or tra- uh, trailing twelve months or moving Correct. forward twelve months. Yes, it's always on a yearly basis. Okay, so Hari mentioned a lot of things there. Um, PE, good rule of thumb, but not not the uh, you know not the the exclusive valuation metrics that you should focus on. There are other metrics that you should also look at. Yep. And so why don't we look at those? Um, peg is another one. That kind of relates to this. Do you want to talk about that? So PEG ratio, PE divided by EPS growth rate. Yeah. So, you, you know, when you look at the, the, you know, this was a metric that was really popularized by Peter Lynch. And I don't think he invented it, but he, he certainly used it heavily in his uh, business dealing. And what he was kind of looking at was you have the price to earnings ratio. Let's say that it is 10 and you have a company that is growing at, five percent a year right so that has a peg ratio of two right so the percentage growth is the denominator and the price to earnings ratio is the numerator so 10 over five is two so if you look at a business that is trading above one what he's essentially saying is that company is expensive relative to their growth rate and if you look at a company that is trading below one um that is a uh you know I think he even was more conservative in his measurement was between 0.5 and one was, you know, roughly fairly valued uh, as a business goes and less than 0.5 was cheap, right? So if you could find a business that was growing at 30% a year and was trading at a PE of 15, well, then you had a bargain on your hands. Yeah. I want to mention one thing. You, when you say growth, what we're talking about here is EPS growth, not Correct. sales growth, not operating growth. Correct. This is earnings growth, the very bottom line we talked about in yeah. the earnings uh, um, income statement episode. Yeah. What Hari's talking about here is EPS, the earnings growth here. Right. And that's uh, on a year-over-year basis, the growth rate for that earnings is is measured by taking this year's earnings, subtracting last year's earnings, and dividing by last year's earnings. And that'll tell you the growth rate. Right. And so that number is a percentage. Right. And that number can be. So if, you know, you have one hundred dollars this year and one hundred and fifteen dollars next year, that translates into a 15 percent growth rate. So that number, that 15 percent growth rate, you want to using Peter Lynch's measurements, you want to have a P.E. of like seven and a half. Yeah. Right. Because that'll tell you that it's at trading at point five. Yeah. Right. And so that. You know, what has changed over the last 10 years is that um, when interest rates go down, PEs in the stock market go up. And that's because people move their money out of um, bonds and other um, 
you know, fixed income uh, assets and move them into stocks because stocks, stocks become relatively uh, more valuable. And so what you see is now we have PEs in the 20 to 25 range, uh, which is historically high uh, relative to what it's been in the past. And in recessions, like in 2008, the PE ratio was, you know, eight. Yeah, single for, digit. That's you know, crazy. For, for some companies. And yeah. so, uh, and even today you'll find companies with PEs of eight. So it's not every business. Yeah. Um, but but that what that means is that when everything is on sale, then you have the opportunity to buy some fantastic businesses at a very cheap price, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a good thing for you to do. Yeah. Um, so, so pe- yeah, go ahead. Uh, just one last thing about the PE ratio is that, you know, because earnings can be kind of manipulated, what a lot of people did, and this is something that Ben Graham kind of uh, talked about was using an average of earnings over a period of time, maybe three years, and then looking at that instead, you know, to compare a growth rate rather than, you know, so look at it 10 years ago and look at it now and see what that number is and mm-hmm. taking an average of those numbers because businesses are going to have fluctuations all the time and you want to kind of smooth those things out. So, for example, there's a lot of companies that have one one-time charges, one-time expenses and when you look at that EPS number, it may have, you know, you know have to be adjusted uh up or down to to kind of reflect that. Yeah. And so uh you know, that's not part of the operating business. You shouldn't use that as part of this PE ratio. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So that is peg ratio, PE divided by EPS growth rate, so that's a percentage, drop the percentage and use just the absolute number there for the denominator. Okay, so let's move on to the next valuation ratio, which is price to book. Um, price to book. Tell us what it is and why it's useful, Hardy. Yeah, so this is, going back to our thing, this is price per share divided by book value per share. The other way to do this is the market cap With- over the equity, yeah. right, um, of the company, shareholders' equity. So typically what you're looking for in here is Companies with a lot of assets, remember book value is assets minus liabilities, right? which is also the same thing as equity. Um, companies with a lot of assets uh, and liabilities will have, or assets, you know, they're asset heavy businesses. This is a, could be a good metric yeah. to look at. Um, the other place that this is important is like financial companies. Um, so uh, businesses like banks, uh, insurance companies where they don't have a real, you know, a they have a, their product is is a service, a financial service. You would want to look at this, and in in those cases, you know, a bank typically has a price to book. Um, if it is below one, is is essentially you're buying a dollar for eighty cents or yeah. seventy five cents, um, and obviously you want that margin of safety when you buy this. So, you know, I, I don't usually use p- price to book because I don't typically invest in financial companies. But if I do, price to book is one of the metrics that we look at. Um, also, and, yeah, also like holdings company, for example. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Fairfax NDA or Fairfax, you know, Fairfax Financial. Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway is a great example. Yeah, so th- that's, you know, so it, it really depends on, on what kind of business you're looking at, yeah. where you would use that metric. But in a lot of ways, those holding companies are financial companies, yeah. right? And Because they, they have assets yep. and those assets generate some amount of money. How much money is that generating for the, you know, the company relative right. to their um, thing? So... Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was price to book. 
Yep. Uh, let's move on to price to cash, price to free cash flow. Okay, actually, before we do that, um, a lot of times people will mention earnings multiple or sales yep. multiple or free cash multiple. That's effectively the same thing as what we're talking about here. Correct. So when people say, oh, earnings multiple of 10 or earnings multiple, it's trading at earnings multiple of 20. That is the same thing as PE equals 20. Yes. It's, yeah, they, they may say it as trading at 20 times earnings or trading at a multiple, you know, what is their typical multiple that yeah. they're trading at? You know, so people uh, in general like to use rules of thumb for these kind of things and they don't actually, they're pretty lazy and don't actually do the work to see that. Um, and so you hear it all the time in the venture capital world. You hear it all the time in uh, the finance world in, in investing. So don't, you know, don't stick to hard and fast, you know, yeah. stay away from these rules of thumb. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So just, I just wanted to clarify that. So people might hear the multiple, that's effectively the same thing as we're ta what we're yeah. talking about here today. Okay. Let's move on to the next metric, which is price to free cash flow. Yeah. Tell us about that, Hari, please. Right. So this is probably a better metric than price to earnings. Because if we look at it from our perspective, right, as value investors, what we care about is not the earnings, right, not the accounting earnings. We care about the cash, right, that's in the cash register at the end of the year. And so price to free cash flow is kind of telling us, so just for those who don't remember what free cash flow is, and we will do an entire episode just dedicated to this uh, calculation and how it, it, it translates into valuation but you essentially take the net income, you adjust for uh, accounts payable, accounts receivable, and so on. Um, the non-cash expenses. Non-cash expenses, depreciation, amortization. And you are left with the cash flow from operations. You take that number and you subtract the expenditures for investments in property, plan, and equipment. Um, and you get a free cash flow number. Yep. And it's also, this number is not... You know, it's good to use a uh, uh, cash flow, uh, capital expenditures, or price per uh, property, plant, and equipment uh, investment. You know, over a multi-year period, because you know companies will have fluctuating amounts of investment. Yeah. And you use that number to then determine what's called free cash flow, which is if I just want to maintain this business, how much money is it going to cost me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what the free cash flow number tells you. Yep. Right. So now that you're looking at that that number price to free cash flow you know is it's it it follows the same kind of guidelines that we talked about with price to earnings right typically as a business owner i want to see 6 to 8 times earnings right um if i'm if i'm going to get make an offer for a business that that is a relatively reasonable amount of money because i'll get paid back 6 to 8 years from now right now obviously this doesn't take into account any debt that the company has Right, and not, and the price doesn't reflect any debt that the company has. So, if I am generating six to eight times cash, right, what what I don't know is how much debt do I have to pay off with that? Just looking at that metric in isolation, yeah. And and the same is true for price to earnings, right? Because yep. a company that has no debt versus a company that has a lot of debt, that number is really different, right? And mm -hmm. so, how much money am I am I taking home and taking out of the business will really depend on those factors. So again, these are all just kind of like a good way to start, but it's not a great place to, to make it, you know, purely make a decision on this. Yep. Right. 
Um, and so typically when the, the, the lower the number, obviously, the cheaper the business is. Um, but, you know, but this is also, again, like with earnings per share, you need to make sure that this cash flow that they had for this year, oh, their PE of, or price to free cash flow is six. Oh, that's a huge bargain. But next year, they're gonna, it's going to completely fall off because they're shutting down certain business lines or they sold off something that generated a lot of cash for them. That's not a sustainable business, right? And so you have to, you have to take into account all of these other parameters. Like, is this a sustainable amount of cash flow? Mm-hmm. And you know, ultimately, is is this going to grow because the business is going to continue to invest in future growth rate? You know, uh, you know, in the business. So, right. Okay, so that's free free uh, price to free cash flow. Yep. Uh, the next metric, I, I don't think this one is as useful. I've never personally used this as much. Price to sales. Yeah. So tell us about that, Hari. So again, this is also price per share divided by sales per share or revenue per share. Which right? is the top line. Top yeah, line, Top yeah. line in the income statement. Correct. So when you look at those two numbers, what you're really trying to do is... So I haven't really found a great use, for, use case for this. Some people, what they do is because revenue is not easily manipulated by uh, it, it they use it as an industry comparison mm. right and so that yeah. that's kind of where I see it as the best use of this um, but it really kind of tells you like relative like to their you know the price uh, you know they use you know sales now <clears throat> what a remember that every time that you are looking at an investment there's usually somebody who's trying to sell you something right and that may be the ceo of the company who's if they're focusing on price to sales or they're focusing on revenue growth you should be very careful about that right because what they're telling you is revenue is not profit right profit is what i keep revenue is how much i you know i sell and then i have to you know essentially take money out of the business at the end of the day. So when if, if companies are really focusing on price to sales or if somebody's trying to pitch you something based on price to sales, what you should be asking yourself is is this gonna company is this gonna actually translate into money at the bottom line? And if the answer is no, a lot of companies are what they do is they they tout this number because they're not profitable. And they use price to sales as a way to say, hey, you know I, I'm cheap because, you know, I'm, but that metric cannot hold up if there is no price to earnings. <laughs> if the earnings is negative, yeah. Yeah, if the earnings is negative, then who cares? Yeah, who cares about the top line? And, and, and I'll tell you where I see this more often than not, and it drives me nuts, is in the venture capital world. That's all they focus on is revenue multiples. Yeah, revenue multiple or, you know, active, active month, monthly user. Yeah, um, those kind of metrics. Yeah. Okay. So that's price to sales. Uh, maybe not as useful uh, in valuating, in valuation, in valuation exercise, but perhaps good for uh, industry comparison, pure right. pure group comparison. Yeah. Okay. Move on. Moving on to the next one. Price to EBIT. I remember right. EBIT we talked about in the income statement. Maybe Hark could do a refresher on EBIT and then talk about price to EBIT. Yeah. So um, EBIT is just a little further down the income statement, but it's not quite at the net income level or the bottom line, right? So EBIT is the operating income, right? And so that is is another term for, so EBIT stands for earnings before interest and taxes. So interest and taxes is what's subtracted out after operating income to get to net net income. So if we start at the top, what we have is revenue. We subtract the cost of goods sold, which then gives us our gross profit. And then from gross profit, we start subtracting again 
the uh, uh, selling general and administrative expenses, uh, research and development, um, and what we're left with is EBIT or operating profit. And so the, the reason that number is important is EBIT is a very good measure of industry to industry, or I'm sorry, company to company within an industry because it tells you the two things outside of their f- uh, financing structure of the business. Because let's say uh, I come in and I want to buy a business, right? If two businesses are operating at the same, you know, fine, you know, with different financial structures, but are in the same industry. Now I can compare those two businesses, right? Because, you know, debt is something that you can pay off over time or, or whatever, but, um, you want to see how the fundamental business itself is operating, that this is a good way to measure it. And so, uh, you can use this to compare, um, how profitable, you know, a, a company gets to, you know, relative to each other, that's how you would, you know, with the operating margins, yeah. it, which it, we'll talk about in the next episode. Right. It's because it's before interest and tax. Right. So, again, to Hari's point, before interest, interest is what uh, Hari's talking about here. If you have a lot of debt, your, your capital mix has a lot of debt in it, then you got to pay a lot of interest. And that's why it's hard to compare the net to net yeah. if you're tr- just trying to compare the efficiency, operating efficiency of company A to company B in the same industry. Right. Okay. So just going back to the ratio of price to EBIT, um, tell us, you know, you know, tell us about that. Um, now so, that we've, now that we've defined EBIT. So this is not a commonly used metric and it's not necessarily because it's a bad metric. It's just not something that people talk about. Um, but I hear a lot of people saying that they use their, the corollary, which is EBIT, EBITDA, mm-hmm. e- e- earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So if you ever start hearing yourself saying that term, EBITDA, just slap yourself right then because it'll solve all of your problems. It is a, slap yourself right then. Yeah, it is a bad idea, okay? Because for a lot of reasons, right? One of it – so this was a term that was popularized a long time ago you know, in the 80s and 90s by private equity firms because what they were saying is that depreciation and amortization are not cash expenses, right? And so we want to eliminate them and they we want to use that as, you know, as a cash flow, you know, to look at it from the cash flow perspective. But the problem with that is you don't take into account the maintenance capital expenditure expense, right? Which is the, the property, plant, and equipment, which is how you get to cash flow, right? So what they were trying to do is they were trying to be lazy about getting to a cash flow number. And so they started using this EBITDA number. Now, in a tech business, it may be the same, right? Um, but just if you ever find yourself talking about EBITDA, right, slap yourself, right? Because it's a stupid number. Because yeah. it, 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 it's, it's very misleading and it's very easy to create this, you know, false false narrative about a business, yeah. right? So e- EBITDA, let me just uh, clarify this for the for our listeners. EBIT, E-B-I-T, is what we called EBIT in the in the previous uh, valuation ratio we talked about, price to EBIT. And this one, what Hari's talking about is EBITDA. So E-B-I-T, yep. interest before, intre- uh, or sorry, earnings before interest, tax, D- so D-A, EBITDA, D-A, Depreciation and amortization. Correct. So effectively, you're adding in um, depreciations and earnings into the income. 
Or right. actually, it's not taking it out from the top eight. Either way, same thing. EBITDA is what Hari's talking about there. Right. And so just you know, to, to clarify that, because we, we were actually talking about EBIT, and I jumped the gun here a little bit. <laughs> EBIT is probably is is an appropriate term, uh, you know, for a measurement price to EBIT or price per share versus EBIT per share, um, but you know, it, you know, th- th- and it's a good measurement across business lines, right? Uh, across you know two companies without their financial structure, because companies operate in two tax jurisdictions. One may have yeah. a higher tax rate, one may have a lower tax rate. So EBIT can kind of help you measure those two things. And then, of course, you know, one of the things, if, if I own the business and I'm in a very high-tax jurisdiction, I can also move to a lower-tax jurisdiction and save me some money, right? So, you know, that's that's one way to look at it. The other thing is that, um, you know, people measure, um, you know, the enterprise value, right? And so we haven't talked about that yet, but this is an important metric because it, it actually takes into account the debt also yeah. right so enterprise value is the market cap which is the price here it's it's essentially the price yeah. but then it also includes the, all of the debt that the company would have to pay off yeah. right and so if i were buying a company i'm essentially buying their debt also i'm not paying for it right up front but i will have to pay for it eventually right so it's not the a perfect metric but it it can tell you that you know if a company is unleveraged like they have no debt versus a company that has a lot of debt that helps you get an understanding of what is that relative to the total amount that you would have to pay, which is why people use that enterprise value calculation. And what I see is they use enterprise value to EBIT. And that's actually another metric that you can look at um, to, to use to tell you because the EBIT number will tell you how much you're having to pay um, relative, you know, how much money can you generate relative to the total amount of money you're paying for the business, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To arrive at the enterprise value, like we talked about for price, you know, price is effectively market share or um, market capitalization divided by a number of shares outstanding. Enterprise value is effectively the same thing: market cap plus debt, or you can do uh, price per share plus debt per share. Yep. Same thing. Yeah. Um, just for, for you guys who are having a hard time trying to wrap this thing or you know, wrap, you know, wrap this wrap this concept around your head. Okay. Uh, so we covered all of those, cover all of those ratios we wanted to talk about in this episode, starting from PE, price to book, price to free cash flow, price to sales, peg ratio, so which is PE divided by EPS growth rate. Price to EBIT, and we also talked about the enterprise value divided by EBIT. And as a as a bonus note here, Hari uh, threw, his, threw in his opinion about the EBITDA. Fact. It's not an opinion. <laughs> it's a fact. Uh, so that is that is all we wanted to cover in this episode. Yeah. Well, also in summary, EBITDA means you should hit yourself. <laughs> So don't slap yourself in the head. Well, so, you know, before we go, I I will, you know, I I was talking to one of my daughter's uh, uh, parents, you know, her friend's parent at at a party and he runs exercise companies Mm -hmm. like he has a, um, you know, like a gym or something. Yeah, it's like a gym like Gold's or something like that. He's running these uh, this thing and he was telling me about his business relative you know, and using the EBITDA metric. And 
you know, the reason that he was using that was because the business was unprofitable, right? And because what he, what you do is when you have a, a gym like that, you just spend all of your profit is spent on replacing equipment every, every year. You have to, you know, spend a ton of money maintaining the equipment that you already have and replacing it because it turns out people drop stuff, you know, they break things, uh, you know, treadmills wear out you have to replace them and so all of his money was just being respent on that but he was using the EBITDA number because that's what the private equity firms were looking at and it turns out that that I mean who cares how much money I don't care how much revenue you have or how much at the end of the day your entire business doesn't make any money right and you can you can tell me EBITDA all day long but I'm going to be like that your business is still worthless right in terms of you're you're essentially just funneling all of your cash into uh, now the guy who sells the the main the equipment or ha- runs the maintenance company he's probably making oh, a lot yeah. of money so um, and I think to 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 lend more credence to your fact or opinion no, 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 no. <laughs> fact I, I, I want I just want to say Charlie Munger is echoing your sentiment yeah so Charlie Munger effectively said the same thing if you're using if you find any companies using EBITDA as their um, their valuation metrics Stay away. I don't know exact yeah. quote from Charlie Munger, but Charlie Munger effectively said, said the same thing. Yeah, it, I, I think it's very important to remember that it it is not it, it 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 is a disingenuous number because it is trying to intentionally mislead you. Right. The only reason people would use that number is because they don't want you to know that their maintenance expenses are real. Right. And that's you know just because you're you're paying for something that's going to last multiple years doesn't mean it's not a re- it's it's a fake expense, right? Depreciation is a real expense. It is just how we account for it is not, uh, you know, is not reflected well in the income statement, right? Yeah. And so, um, the the actual cash outlay is real. And so, tr- trying to get to free cash flow, just use free cash flow. Don't use EBITDA. Just use free cash flow. That'll tell you more than you more than you need to know. Yeah. Right? So, I, I see a lot of EBITDA actually in in REIT. So. Ari and I were looking at this company uh, that is in the real estate investment trust, and a lot of real estate companies will report EBITDA. And yeah. it, it, I mean, you know, if I were on their in their management, trying to look at, trying to present ourselves, trying to present our company, EBITDA would, you know, paint a rosier picture. Obviously, correct. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's why they use it. Yeah, right. Okay, so that is the end of this episode twenty-two valuation ratio. Um, starting from PE all the way to EBITDA, we talked about all of those metrics that could be useful for your investment exercise. Okay, um, in the next episode, we'll talk about the operational ratio. And uh, well, thank you guys for joining us in this episode, episode 22, valuation ratio. Uh, if you liked the episode, please do subscribe and leave us a comment or send us inf- send us an email at info at valueinvestor.org, O-R-G. Uh, or and then follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram. We do have an Instagram account. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys. See you on the next episode. Thanks.